place where ambition meets inspiration. Zero to Woman is more than just a podcast. It's a movement. A celebration of the fearless women who are ready to level up in their careers, businesses, and personal development. Each week, we'll dive into practical strategies, share empowering stories, and provide actionable insights that will propel you forward on your path to success. From the boardroom to the entrepreneurial world, and from work-life balance to personal growth, we will cover it all. I'm your host, Jifa Mensa Okwata. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Zero to Woman podcast. Today, I have a special guest in the studio, a very good friend of mine, who is also a change and advisory specialist at the Global Fund in Switzerland. Welcome, Vivian Ojo. Hype music, you know, you know, because <laughs> that's that's the the motto, right? Yeah. You gotta hype yourself. <laughs> I'm I'm so happy to have you here, Vivian. Thank you. Thank you for making the time, and you know, I know you're very busy. It's guys, you won't believe this. We are we just happen to be at the same place at the same time, um, yeah. and that's how we are recording this. So it's like God's hand all over this. Hallelujah! <laughs> Hallelujah! Won't He do it? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just I'm just happy. So first of all, what, what brings you to Nigeria today? Um, okay, so I'm I've been in Nigeria for two two and a half weeks now. Mm. I actually came for my grandmother's uh, funeral. Oh. Um, she passed away in March. Sorry. Um, it, it is well. It is well indeed. And you know, she was 88 years old. One of my good friends, and I got to spend quite a bit of time with her. In fact, um, I was with her in January of this year, so I feel super blessed that um, uh, she's someone who I got to kind of get a little bit of her character and her brilliance and and her magic. So yeah. it's been, and you know how we do in, in Nigeria when it comes to, to funeral, well, when it comes to really anything. Yeah, it's everything is a celebration. It's yeah. time for party. Yeah. yeah, so it's been like back-to-back events of just, um, reflecting on who she was, um, going back to where she's from. Um, my my um, my dad is from Kogi. My, my my so my paternal grandmother um, is is from Kogi. So we actually went all the way there, and yeah. um, it was just beautiful. I hadn't been there in like twenty something years mm-hmm. um, because she she lived in Lagos. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's just a good a good season. And um, I used to live here yeah. before, so. Um, it's also been a good time to catch up with old friends and just yeah. be surrounded by community. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And good to see you. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> good to see you. That's good. I, w- I would come back to, you know, like your grandma and the women in your family mm-hmm. in a bit because I want us to do some connection there. Yeah. But for now, can you tell me about your childhood? Do you mm-hmm. have fond memories of your childhood? <sighs> yes, yes, I really do. So, um... I think I am, I'm blessed, you know, I'm someone who's really just had, I I love that you say the hand of, hand of the Lord, right? Goes before you, about you, uh, before you, about you, behind you, all around you. Um, And I feel that's kind of, when I think about growing up, that's, that's really what it's been. Um, My mom is originally from Namibia and my dad, Nigerian, they met in Ireland and you know, got married there and decided, okay, they want to raise these African 
warriors. So me and my siblings are born on the continent and and grew up really um, between Namibia and and, and Nigeria. Mm. And um, and I think this this notion of just innocence, curiosity, Mm -hmm. magic, but also having company like everything was magical. And, And it's funny you talk about my childhood because we went to my grandmother's and grandfather's um, uh, piece of land, which had like this little waterfall thing at the at the at the back of the house, which I thought was just giant. So we, mm-hmm. we called it a river. It was like, you know, it's called River Puffa. So we would go there and, you know, swim and all of this stuff. And and now we went there. And in fact, we weren't even allowed to go as children. You weren't allowed to go uh, on your own because it was you could get lost. Mm-hmm. And this time we went, I mean, I took like two steps and I was at this room <laughs> and it just looked, it was just so much smaller than I remember it. And um, I think for me, that's maybe just a, a metaphor for, yeah, my childhood was one where um, the world just felt expansive and mm-hmm. wondrous and everything was magical, fruits, sand, you could make a game out of everything. Um, and I think my parents did a really good job of raising us with that sense of you know, vivid imagination. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of wonder around you, I can Mm -hmm, tell from the way mm -hmm. you just described it. Was there ever a point where you knew that you would become this person, you know, in terms of your career? Wow. So I I love like even how you describe my career. She's like, you are this, you know, I (laughs) listen, I I love friends like you. So because you just yeah, I guess you keep me honest. Um and and also just keep me um marveling, right? Because I I, I don't really think, um, I think a lot of the achievements that I've had have been uh, really a, a team effort, right? Mm-hmm. Like all this, the sort of um, seeds that have been sown in my life, whether from childhood, um, through friends, family, mentors, yeah. um, you know, I'm a product of that. So even when you say, did I ever think I'd become this or, yeah. you know, do this in Switzerland? I mean, no, I, I, I didn't really. I, I just... Um, um, I just really took advantage of and saw a lot of the um, the gifts and the blessings and the investments that I've received as things that I needed to to cherish and yeah. steward really well. And yeah. I think that's just kind of how um, I, I landed up where I where I am and and where I'm going. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Thanks for letting me know. What did you want to become as a child? Mm. I think. Uh, what did I want to be? Um, I think I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and that was just because, I mean, there was like a doctor, lawyer, and I think engineer. Engineer, yeah. yeah. The yeah. three main African are, parents. Are, right. Career <laughs> dreams. Career those aspirations the for their kids. And um, both of my brothers are medical doctors. Um, and I just, yeah, I just knew that wouldn't be me. Um, mm. Not just in terms of, you know what it took to become a doctor but also just looking at um um it's just how how easily grossed out i guess <laughs> i was like i don't think i can i don't think i can handle this um, but why is that always like the thing that puts people off listen it's a calling huh it's a ministry yeah, i just is, i just is, believe actually. you know you cannot just go there anyhow no, right i'm sure no. that um if you have enough grit and you have enough will you can do almost anything right but um when i look at my brothers like they are they're curious Mm -hmm. they're like they see something gross and they're like what is that what i'm like "Ah!" that's not you (laughs) so 
no. <laughs> so I think um, I think there are certain people who just have this uh, this inclination. Yeah. And so for me, I think law was just like um, I was quite expressive and I spoke a lot, and people were just like, okay, that's where that's that's yeah. the place where you can yeah. go yeah. <laughs> to uh, to release all of this. Uh, I can I can completely relate. Verbosity. Yeah. So what happened? How did you end up in HR? Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's been a a bit of a labyrinth, um, and I still I still don't really describe myself as someone in HR, mm. um, just because I, I work with people who are in HR and I like they you know worked there for several uh, years and and have specific and deep expertise. Mm. Um, I still consider myself a strategy person. Yeah. So and um, I think the path is um, essentially after I did my masters. Uh, joined McKinsey and was doing strategy consulting um, with the lens of really looking at performance, right? And how do you organize, you know, people to perform at their best? Um, how do you organize systems to make things more effective and efficient, which improves performance? So yeah. it was always kind of somewhere linked to this, you know, how do you maximize and optimize and um, within the different organizations that and clients that I was serving. And I thought I wanted to do this on a more, uh, on a grander scale. I wanted to do it um, in a place where uh, the stakes were high in terms of social impact. Yeah. And the Global Fund, which is, um, you know, one of the, the largest, in fact, the largest funder in, in Africa during the COVID pandemic of um, oxygen, PPE, and diagnostics, medical yeah. diagnostics during that period, largest funder for HIV, TB, um, and malaria um, across the continent, working in, you know, over 100 and 80 countries um, and, and just really having a huge impact on on lives, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to be part of that kind of work. Um, so as soon as I left McKinsey, I, I actually took some, some time and and that period, um, which I called my fun employment, was really just to, to focus on reflecting on who it is that I am and who I want to be in the mm -hmm. world and and where where I want my my mark to be left and and I think that is sort of what led me to to the fund and led me to to Geneva mm. yeah. how's the experience been so far so far it has been um, oh, it's been a blessing man it's mm. been magical in in many ways right um and then there's obviously all the murk, right? There's the ma the magic and the murky waters and the areas which are, which are difficult. So when I think about the things that have been magical, I think about um, some of the people I've worked with. Um, I had and have incredible line managers, right? Just people who are like willing to invest in you. Yeah. When someone is, you know, their priority is not just for you to deliver work for them or for you to, you know, come up with what, a specific outcome, but their priority is to see you be your best self. And they understand that you being your best self is to the benefit of them the company, and yeah. the organization. Yeah. And that for me is like, true um you know stellar leadership and i've had managers who have kind of demonstrated to me what that looks like mm -hmm. um and that's not that's not a guarantee it's not a given um in in any organization Definitely. so i think that's been part of the magic of it um what's also been part of the magic of it is the scale um you know the the, the fund is a four billion dollar i mean 
on average, right, um, on a yearly basis, we could be managing anything from four to six billion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got that scale. You make a decision, and you know that it's going to have this levels. impact, right? Yeah. Um, so, so that that's been great, and then also being part of a community of people who think that way, yeah. right? So everyone is is working towards this goal, and you'll find people, you know, who do it in their eccentric ways, and they do it in their different ways, but. At the end of the day, you're working with people who have that mindset. And so you can draw from each other and, and learn from each other and inspire one another. So that's been um, really the magic. And of course, the Merc is, I mean, I don't think I have to talk too much about the Merc, but nope. the, the Murky Waters <laughs> is, is everything from, you know, delivering and, and, and feeling adequate and dealing with your own um, uh, imposter syndrome and, and dealing with um, complexities and 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 sometimes discrimination and mm. sometimes challenges and sometimes microaggressions and different things that you that you face in any work context right yeah. and and any place that kind of um, suggests that they don't have it they probably have the Everyone worst of it, it right it's yeah. there is because we we live in a world where these things happen so <laughs> it, it doesn't stop at the door when we when we walk into the office um so it's it's been all of that and 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 more i'm always wary of 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 organizations that uh, that don't recognize that as as organizations yeah. built on people mm-hmm. um, and as people we are flawed and systems are flawed yeah. uh, and organizations are systems and people together so it's flaw upon flaw um, and and if you can't recognize that um, I'm always wary of that because then it's it it's one of two things it's either you haven't done the work to investigate and to really care about what could be wrong or you have and you're trying to cover that up by uh, some sort of toxic positivity yes. that is actually even worse. Ooh, right? I have a lot to say. <laughs> say it, girl. Say it. No, because this toxic positivity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kills me. Wow. It That's kills so me at the workplace, yes. right? Because I feel like I want to be my most authentic self. Mm-hmm. And I probably do not talk much at work. Yeah. Because I really want to just work and go home, mm-hmm. right? I would, I would be nice. I would talk to people. Mm-hmm. But I, I need to do work, right? Mm-hmm. I need to say that this is what I accomplished mm-hmm. this week. So I'm cool. We talk and everything. But I don't want to, like, think, like, I love you. I care for you. I want to do work. And, you know, like, I'm a good team mm-hmm. player. We collaborate well. But then this whole, like, false positivity, like, oh, let's just act like we're all together. Mm-hmm. And we're all one. Yeah. You know, without, like, considering all the nuances that comes with you know, like me as a person, right. me as a black person, because I'm putting this in context, like in context of like where you work, you know, where we live mm-hmm. and all of these things. Like, and it just feels like you, you don't even know what, like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like to put it bluntly, it doesn't make sense, but then it's shoved down your throat like mm-hmm. don't by force you will swallow this thing <laughs> like you would believe that oh, we, we will bond of, like, by you know, force yeah, the, the, yeah by exactly like bonding. you know like team bonding <laughs> and meanwhile like the basic things mm. they're not doing the things that will make you be like oh mm. i want to like you know keep doing this thing so then after all my rant my question to you is office politics mm. like it's a twofold question mm. office politics right and diversity mm. How do you navigate it? First, from like the HR perspective, mm. and then from like me, who is an employee. Yeah. Like I'm mm-hmm. talented, I'm skillful, I want to do good work mm-hmm. and go home. Yeah. Right. So, how do I navigate Ooh, that? This is good. This is loaded. And it's a good one for me because um, I think I've, I've had different, 
approaches to this in different seasons yeah. of my life, right? Um, but I love what you say about the basics, right? Um, because I don't mind, you know, being overly invited to team activities and all these different things and people want to bond. For some people, their work yeah. is their life. Cool. You know, they're so, True. so excited. You know, um, we all need to be together. Um, but let the basics be there. And I think Good. I think that's what you're really talking about is at the end of the day, do you care about me? Yes. Um, and or is this a performance of care? Because the performance of care through. is, it, it, I mean, it's I, a lot of us don't have the capacity yes. for this, you know. And I often say one of the things that I love so much about um, my Nigerian side of the family sometimes versus my Namibian side. And I don't even want to, let me, let me, actually, let me rephrase that. It's not even Nigerian side versus Namibian side, but West Africans in general, particularly Nigerians, Nigerian. something yeah. that I really, really appreciate. And it's cultural. Mm -hmm is that on, in general, if a Nigerian does not like you, you will know. You will, know. You don't you will find out. Like, you will <laughs> Do you understand? You it will know. be revealed to you yeah. in one way or another. Yeah. People are very much exactly who they say they yeah. are at almost all times. Sure. Um, to the point where, like, and, and that's what we, even the road rage, even what, yeah. I mean, if I feel, yeah. ah, same, we'll, same we'll just, we'll like, just, you know. Do you understand? There's no need to instant. perform. Mm -hmm. But I know that from other cultures that I'm used to and I've experienced even in Southern Africa, we're just very good at, you know, just we process our emotions internally. We mm -hmm. don't have to process them externally yeah. in the way. So it can take a long time before you actually know what someone really thinks about you. And mm -hmm. sometimes when you discover that at a later stage, especially in the professional context, it can be a huge shock. And so that's why... Um, for a lot of people, that toxic positivity, it, it's, a, it's a red flag in their minds from some particular trauma or some particular experience yeah. that they've had in the past. Um, and I, 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 I think that that's understandable. I think that's fair, especially if you work in competitive environments, if you work in really, you know, aggressive work environments where, yeah. you know, what you, what you do counts for your career and your promotion. Exactly. And, and, and your reviews are in the hands of different people. And you need to, like, kiss right? people's Exactly. And there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of people are, you know, doing extra um, and 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 they're not, you know, being their true selves. They're not being authentic at all times, um, either because they feel they can't be or, or because their authentic selves don't actually fit within what it is that they are saying the organization should stand for. So I fully, fully um, get that. But maybe just to, to shift a little bit to how I've matured in that, especially in working in. Um, so I, I, I lead our, uh, the work on our people and organizational strategies. So it's thinking about what is our organization going to be like from a people perspective mm -hmm. it, over the next six years, right? Whether we're talking workforce planning or we're thinking about some of the softer sides of, you know, health, well-being, D&I, etc. Um, or if we're actually just thinking about organizational structure and changes in our organization that yeah. need to meet you know um the the demands of in, in six years um so doing a lot of that work um the first activity we did is like speaking to staff members trying to understand like what are people really thinking and how do they feel and how can we shape this and being on the side of hr right which is like everybody's 
enemy in general in most organizations. Yeah, HR is not your friend. <laughs> right. No There's matter what they say. Right. Take my and, advice. And, 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 and I, I actually, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. HR is not your friend. HR is, is a good HR, mm. is, a, is a decent referee, yeah. right? Um, between the things that we all want as staff members, remembering that HR people are staff members yes. and are held to the same standards, same policies, same issues, and have the same challenges that the, a regular staff member would have. True. So I think that's one thing to, to remember because people mm. are, sometimes they'll come to me, they'll be like, oh, we wanna, I wanna raise. I'm like, me too, girl. <laughs> me too. I am with you. If you have the plan, Let me I'm gonna back you up, right? Because, right, so I think that's like the first thing is like, you know, we, HR, HR people are, are, are people, people too. Yeah. Um, and so within that, I think we've got those constraints. Right. Um, but I also think that as um, as HR, as an HR person or as a member of staff, there's also this need to really think through what is it that is feasible? Right. Mm. And that feasibility um, component is maybe a new addition to my skill set um, that I've gained when I'm looking at it from this lens, right? Yeah. I can't just come up with a problem. I need to come up with a problem that also has the solution attached to it. Yeah. And the solution has to be feasible. It has to be something that will be beneficial for both the organization and for people. the people. Yeah. And, and and there's that constant tug of war. Yeah. Um, and I think that being in the space where I'm part of the tug, where I'm tugging within myself and I'm thinking through that, I think it's a really great skill for me to have. And I think it also helps me then advise to your question, somebody who's outside of it, um, how do you approach this referee, right, at best? And, and this is at best. Some HRs are just extensions of their leadership. Yeah. And, yeah. and, that's, and, that's, and that's, that's a shame yeah. sometimes. It's just an extension of whatever, whoever is on top is saying. Mm -hmm. They just kind of execute, they're operational. Yeah. A strategic HR becomes a referee a strategic HR becomes someone that actually opens the eyes of staff to the needs of the organization or of the leadership and opens the leadership to the needs of staff. So it's somebody who's constantly playing uh, that role across across the two. Um, and, and I think when you when you really look at successful organ organizations or organizations that have gotten this right, they've been able to admit that it is a trade-off and that there is that tug of war and from the side of the people um i would say come in with that mindset that there is this tug of war and so i have to think about both the problem and the solution mm. and it's not to say that the solution is fully my responsibility but it's to say that the further i can get you in the direction of of solving this uh the better it's going to be for for me and and for the organization so it's that it's just that dual way of approaching it um and then also just recognizing as you said i really like it hr is not your friend most people are not your friend mm -hmm. i know that sounds really like they're your neighbors and you're meant to love them love yeah. your neighbors as yourself but most people are not your friend your yeah. friends are your friend yes right like don't think that you can come into your office and just tell everybody everything that you're going to tell your friends because it's not going to work. Yeah, it will not work. <laughs> Do you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel that sometimes in this generation, we tend to be, we have all these expectations of people. 
our expectation just simmer down just put your hope in god you get like people just need to simmer down with all this expectation and then i told her this and then she told yeah yeah of course she of did, course she did yeah. you know because she's solving for something different than you're solving mm-hmm. you know and i'm not saying we should be mistrustful and um you know um kind of guarded at all times but really what i'm saying is that we don't need to expect too much yeah. from other human beings who are trying to solve for their own things. Yeah. Just think about, okay, if I was in this person's shoes, how would I handle it? Um, and what, what, are, what are they also, you know, to the point around blind spots, what are they trying to solve for that I'm not even seeing in my solution space? You know? Mm-hmm. So I think when you approach it that way, you'll see that you don't really need to engage too much in this politics stuff. Your number one political move is being excellent at your job. But sometimes it's not enough, you know? Right. Because in this day and age, you can be very excellent. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be nitpicking on little things like, oh, you don't have lunch with us. Mm. Or, you know, Mm. something very little. Right. And so sometimes, I I didn't used to play office politics, but I'm beginning to think, you know, we can all do this thing. Mm. Maybe we should all do it. I, I do not have my answer yet. But sometimes I'm just like, mm, is it pretending? We can't pretend. Yes, everybody phone. Ah, yeah. we all pretend and go home, we'll get money, we'll get promotion. You know, yeah. like you just keep it moving. Mm. But then it's it's also not authentic to me. Like that's not how I I don't want to have versions of myself where mm-hmm. at work I have this very fake mm-hmm, mm-hmm. performative persona. And then yeah. when I come home, oh, it's my true self. So like you just move the cloak and put it down. Why? Mm. Girl. You're saying something, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm also reflecting as you're speaking, right? Because I think that this idea of being your full self, right, with being fully authentic, um, sometimes it makes us nervous, right, in the workspace, especially when you're in a workspace where you're the minority or you're like in a different, you know, environment. And I know in your context, it was very... Um, very much like you're unique right Mm -hmm. in this space Mm -hmm. um you want to protect yourself right and you keep to your work and you're like okay i'm going to be excellent and i'm going to deliver and you're so right that that is not always enough um but another way to sort of be authentic in because it's not for me it's not authenticity or, or politics i i think you can be authentically political if, if that makes sense <laughs> Tell me. in the sense that you're like um the kind of person who is excellent at your job mm-hmm. you're focusing on it but you're building relationships okay. rather than um looking for you know seeing people as opportunities and as rungs that you can step on in your ladder to the top yeah. right but you're kind of like being authentic about relationships because you understand that while in an AI world, organizations would just, you know, look at your work and process, check, 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 promotion. Because you understand we're not in an AI world, we're in a world that's full of systems, yes. right? And people, yes. and both things are flawed. And even as, our, as we're perfecting and optimizing systems, we can never really fully perfect and optimize people. Yep. I mean, who knows? Well, AI. <laughs> yeah, AI, let's see. <laughs> but um, there's always going to be that people factor. So you understand that even your progression is is based on how people perceive you as mm-hmm. well, to mm-hmm. some extent. Mm-hmm. And so you're interested in building authentic relationships so that people can know 
who you really are and not just who you, you don't have to, you know, expose all of your personal stuff, but knowing who you really are from a work perspective and to say, you know what, Sifa, when you give her this, you can expect this. Yeah. And this I know and I can back it up, you know, based on I can put out my relationship. I can put my reputation on the line for that. Yeah. So I would say authentic relationships over time, it will do the work for you. That that the danger of kind of going deep into the politics of things is that um, you then start to rely on that mm -hmm. and that becomes the only thing that really speaks for you and it can get you so far it can it can get you to a certain place but it can't take you all the way and any sign of weakness or fragility and it can literally crumble like a house of cards right yeah. because there are people who have basically been bolstered by um just their obsequiousness, obsequiousness, I think that's the word. If it's, if it's wrong, please change it. But I think it's that. It's just this, this sliminess, yeah. right? It's just your, your ability to like, you know, grovel. And, um, and there are people who have made it a couple of places. But the problem is, you know, as we experience in the pandemic, and this is something, this is something of my philosophy, is that, you know, when there's disruption, everything that can be shaken will be shaken, yep. right? And this is this is biblical as well. Whenever there's a shaking, I'm sorry, it's not that because you grovel and you this. Floor. No, do you, do you understand? <laughs> it's the threshing floor of the career. And when that happens, they're not they're not going to be like, oh, this one, this one said he's. No, they're going to be like, who is the person who can get this yes, done? Yes, who's the perfect person? And for the very group. quickly, it becomes clear especially when you're in crisis situations and pressure situations. We saw it in COVID-19. You can't, you know, inept people, people who don't know how to do their work, who have just been skating through, they're out, mm -hmm. they're out. You need to focus on who can deliver. So that's why I would say the, the political side, I wouldn't play it, overplay it, and I wouldn't play it too intentionally. And I would focus more on authentic relationship mm -hmm. where people know who you are, what value you bring, and they can actually be part of lifting you up. And by the way, I would focus on doing that for others, mm. doing that and being that for others, yeah. because you'll be surprised how sometimes it's somebody that you used to manage <laughs> back in the day that ends up recommending you for an, uh, for the next role yeah. or recommending you for something else. Mm. So don't always look up for that, that you know, connection. type of relationship and mm. connection. I would say look all around you and and that is authentic. That's yeah. just being your full I love self. That. Introverts. Mm. Right. I find that a lot of introverts suffer at work. Mm -hmm. Um not because they're not good. Mm. Like they just fall in the same category that I just spoke of. Right. It's just because they are, they're not ready to toot their horns. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. they want to just they want to do their work and go mm. home. They you know they are good. Mm. But then there's this whole, you know, like it's the same, you know, people not bluffing necessarily mm -hmm. bluff sometimes right but just like being very out and up you know and talking about what they do but these people are saying oh i just want to be in my corner and then do my work and then you know all the praise and promotion mm -hmm. will come to me what do you have to say to that yeah um this is this is huge you know and and i i think that understanding the different types of personalities that we have and the ways in which people move through the world and making sure that the workspace is not for a specific type, but yeah. is kind of um, open to 
every type of person mm-hmm. and to thrive, I think is mm-hmm. really important. I think the um, the best way an organization can function is when it can, is fully diverse and it has those representations mm-hmm. of introverts and extroverts and people from all over the world and all the you know different creeds and different mindsets and so on. Um, I was actually trying to 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 um, look for look for a verse that talks about um, how we we do everything that we do as unto the Lord, yeah. right? And what it means to do something as unto the Lord is like you do it as in my daddy is coming to look, come and check my work, right? So it's excellence that you're looking for, right? Um, but then there's this connection that you know as we do these things as unto him he is glorified and for god to be glorified through our work men will see so that men will see and i was trying to find this but you know i'll probably find it later but it's it's so that men will see and glorify your father in heaven so there is this this direct relationship between when i'm doing my work and men see it they'll say ah this thing is so sweet there must be a divine connection to it and they say vivian you did this thing what is your source and then i'm pointing back to the author and i'm pointing back to my to my maker so i think that all of that is to say that this thing of oh i'm going to do my work quietly and i'm not going to you know i don't want anybody to see and i don't want anybody we need as introverts please I, I'm I'm including myself as an introvert, I'm, and I know the, the the shy introverts are gonna kick me out. But as far as I'm concerned, me too. I'm an introvert because yeah. I I get energy from myself. I get energy from being by myself. But anyway, I I know that there are people who are genuine genuine introverts who are also not social. Yeah. Right. And and that can be really difficult. But what I would say is we need to dispel this thing that you know you can't be proud of the work that you do because even in doing that you're you can point back to the source right so i think in the professional space this we've got to we've got to be intentional about doing excellent work sharing that excellent work and when it is shared you know um being being confident mm. and 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 saying yes i, I did, did that this. i did, did that, that yeah. and and um and there's no, um, I think you can be humble and confident, mm. you know? Um, and I think that this, the way we were raised sometimes does us a disservice mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. you know, in this parts of the world where, oh, you know, you're just meant to be um, seen and not heard. Yeah, and, you know, just keep, heart. don't, don't, yeah. And don't be ask humble. too many questions yes, and all of this quiet. kind of stuff. <laughs> and I remember when I went to college in, in, the, in the US, I was like, eh, you people are giving marks. They are giving marks for, an, for asking questions. For asking questions, for for using your voice. I'm like, wow, this is this is not what we're used to. But this is kind of the thing that we kind of need to shift mm. a little bit. And um, and I think that it's not very hard for us. For I mean, it's not very hard for Nigerians and, and West Africans. I think to no, do. maybe just Nigerians. It's pretty hard for Ghanaians yeah, as well because yeah, we are also we very. Also have your exactly. Yeah, yes, this like, is true. Just be humble and be low key. <laughs> uh-huh. I, and I just think because we're marketers and, and uh, you know as Nigerians, uh, you yeah. know you're always trying to sell sell something. You know, sell yourself. And yeah. I think it's just a, it's a switch that needs to happen as soon as we we make that switch. We're like, yeah. oh, okay. And it's not about. Um, 
too much of self-promotion and all of this, but it's really about just being intentional mm. about when you're doing work, being confident and um, and also, yeah, being being unashamed about you the the value that you bring yeah. to any space yeah yeah so Brene brown right so she's yes. one of my you know Brene brown yes. i love her i love her so much yes. i have been following Brilliant. her work since what 2015 there's one of her quotes that i really love which says that courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen right mm-hmm. and like i put on like the zero to one page like a couple of days ago but then sometimes it's easier said than mm-hmm. done right because you you know you're doing the work mm-hmm. it's good you know that people would find value in mm. this work that I'm doing, but I just kind of find the courage mm. to put it out there, you know, yeah. because you, you just have like, you feel like, you feel like, oh yeah, either like, the work is good, but at, at the back of your mind, you're like, oh, maybe it's not good enough, mm. or maybe I'm not qualified, or who yeah. am I, yeah. you know, to put this. So how, how can we get beyond this? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get, I don't want to make it too biblical, but it's always like, for me, it's like, um, what are you afraid of, right? Um, I I can imagine, right? Because because I've I've struggled with imposter syndrome for sure, um, and and it happens in different you know phases of my career. You, you get a promotion, you're in a new role, suddenly like it's oh scale like, and suddenly the, you're in the same organization. Yeah. You knew what you were doing before, and all of a sudden you no longer even trust yourself to like write an email, yes. <laughs> right? Um, so so I, I, I've dealt with this before, but I think what, what sits at the heart of it is, uh, what am I afraid of? Am I afraid that I do not have what it takes to deliver? Mm-hmm. Or am I afraid that even if I did have what it takes to deliver, it won't be regarded or respected in any case, right? So there's no point in even starting. Um, I think that we need to kind of interrogate a little bit what sits underneath the fear of being an imposter because this, as, as at the heart of it, it's that I'm going to be found out. Yes. Like <laughs> I secretly don't have what it takes and I'm going to be found out. and. I think a few things I would say to myself. One, um, if you were going to be found out, you'd be found out anyway. Right? So, (laughs) like, you're at risk as is, right? So, being, you know, uh, paralyzed by the syndrome and just waiting to be found out is not really going to help your your cause, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If anything, what you want to do is you want to invest even more in learning right and in asking the questions that will help you build whatever capability you think is missing yeah right the second thing i'd say is um and this is where i say i don't want to make it too spiritual but at the end of the day i get my identity from somewhere else and for me the hope is that every single person i don't care where you work i just hope and pray that you get your identity from something other than that thing even if it is your daddy's company half the time it's not your daddy's company by the way remind yourself that but even if it is that you're working for your daddy's company or your own company you know let's you're an entrepreneur i hope 
that you know who you are outside of that. Yeah. And when you have that, the fear of being found out about, you know, not knowing how to do one run a specific analysis or build a specific model, right? That's that doesn't mean that it's a fear of being found out as an inadequate person, mm. as an unlovable person. Mm. And we connect the dots. We have a very unhealthy relationship with labor. And I think somebody needs to do the research on this. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm, I'm sure there is research there and I need to read it. But I think it has to do, especially with people from you know previously colonized, um, enslaved, people whose relationship with work has in one way or another involves some type of injustice, mm. I think we have a very unhealthy relationship. And we, we think that if I cannot provide, if I'm not working, who am I? Yes. What, what am I actually doing in yes. this world? And do I even really need to be here? So we have this very, you know, unhealthy connection with labor, and we need to we need to sever it. I love that. Yes, <laughs> we really do. Um, and and so for me, the thing is, I don't I don't define myself by my work. Mm. I really don't. I am so much more than my work. In fact, all that I am, I actually bring to my work. So mm. the privilege is for the people and the spaces I get to, and the projects I get to work on that I can bring all these different elements of myself into solving these problems. That's how I like to see it. And um, I think we need, to, we need to have that shift. And then this syndrome can, can settle down a little bit. And then of course, it. yeah. I love yeah. it. Like you said it so perfectly. So now let's talk about young professionals mm -hmm. imagine you're a fresh graduate who is entering the workforce for the first time yeah what would you do differently mm. Mm -hmm. i think i would i would focus a lot more on my personal brand what does um, that mean that means what are the problems i want to be known for solving or the spaces i want to be known for um, having an influence in? Um, where do I want people to think, oh, Vivian is the best person for this? Yeah. I would think a little bit more about that and be intentional about building that with just as much fervor as I'm building my financial reserves and the whatever you know, milestone or next step or promotion I'm moving for in, in, in the corporate space. I would build those things in parallel because, I mean, that brand you take with you everywhere. Yeah. So when you have seasons of not working, I'm in school, that's, that brand is still active. Mm -hmm. If you want to start a business and be an entrepreneur, that brand is still active. When you're retired from, you know, labor market as we know it that brand is still active so i would invest in that brand with the same level of fervor that i do somebody else's company um or somebody else's organization yeah that's interesting let's talk about rejection mm. Mm -mm. You usually sit on the other end of the table where you're like mm, the cv is not good you're not qualified for the job you know <laughs> this is not good for us we are not <laughs> we don't like you wow. yet right or we don't want to work with you yet i don't mm -hmm. think it's so harsh like we don't like you but we don't want to work with you yet mm -hmm. right do you think that women handle rejection well wow oof 
I'm trying to, you know, because you talk about women specifically, I'm trying to think about how men, how I've seen men, you know, in the world handle rejection, right? Mm. And and many, many just do not, right? They just rebel against it. Yeah. Um, and, and they push and, and they insist. Um, I would say this is a huge stereotype, but from what I've experienced, um, women tend to handle rejection by internalizing it, whereas men tend to handle it by externalizing it. Mm. Um, and I think that the, the healthy balance is probably somewhere in between. And a lot of us women need to shift a bit more. So when I say how men handle it in terms of externalization, it's like, oh, you don't want to talk to me? That must be your loss, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, anyway. <laughs> you know how these guys just switch up on you, they'll be like trying to talk to you, and then you're like, you're doing too much. They're like, I didn't even like you anyway, look at you. And, like, and then you leave there being like, what's, what's wrong with you? God forbid, God forbid. No, no, no cat calling anymore. But I just, I just, you know, I've seen this thing yeah. happen. But I think like men are just like, ah, no, it, it cannot be me. Do you know <laughs> who I am? Me? Do me. Like Do they have audacity. Me? Exactly. Exactly. So there's a, there's a little bit of audacity. Yeah. And this is kind of how you're raised. Like, because, you know, yeah. you're the man. You're, yes. The world is, you, yes. young man, do, you know, yeah. adventure. Mm-hmm. The world mm-hmm. is made for you. Whereas mm-hmm. a young woman is like, ah, there's a certain way to sit. Yes, there's a certain so. way to be. There's a certain you way to move. This, there's a, ah, is this how you're going to behave? Mm. So you're already learning all these different things about, oh, how you can correct. Yes. Self-correct. Yes. And it can work positively when we are more compassionate to mm. other people and we're mm. like, oh, I wonder how this will make her feel. Yeah. Based on that, let me try something different. Half the time, I, when I speak to my guy friends, they're like, ah, which one is this one? Unless you tell me, how can I be thinking about how you will feel about what I am yes. about to do? I'm not going to yes. do all that gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we're like, oh, emotionally unavailable. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is, it's just kind of how a lot of them are, are raised is to, is to you know think about themselves, worry about themselves, their path, and 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 be really direct. But I think with women, we because we've been conditioned with a lot of women, not all, with a lot of women, um, because we've been conditioned to always internalize. Then you get rejection, and you're like, okay, what is it that I lack? Yes. Let me, you know, what is it that I'm missing? And that can be positive in some ways, where you say, okay. Maybe I need to go and take this course. Maybe mm-hmm. I need to go and you know sign up for this thing, self improvement, etc. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, especially now that I'm sitting on the other side, I've seen people not get jobs, guys, because because a certain person just wasn't in the room at the time. Mm. And by the time they came in the room, they got a certain part of the answer, you know. <laughs> yeah. And they just they missed the context. Mm. That, that can happen. I've seen it happen where, oh, you wanted a specific candidate. You reached out to them. They didn't respond in time. And, and then, then you the already went to another mm. candidate. And then by the time this person comes back, you're like, oh, actually, we've already filled the interview slots. So we're not even going to take you for an interview. Even though you probably, if you had come to the interview, you would have gotten it. You know, so there's certain things that happen. And it's it's um, it's almost a whole orchestration of so many things that are out of your control sometimes out of HR's control, sometimes out of the line manager who's hiring control. But we as women, once we get that rejection, 100%, it must be something I've done. I must have, you know. And and particularly, I would say, even for single women, it can be even more harrowing mm. because we define ourselves by our work. No, and, you know, 
um, this will oh where's your husband where's your husband Yinka mm. where's your husband <laughs> factory good book yeah. um you know all this thing at least if you have career and the career is banging they'll be like okay she's a career woman leave her money. small <laughs> but if you're like no no husband no um career you're just living your, your Right, I'm just being a baby. I'm just living my life. I'm living my best life. And they're like, "Mm -mm, this one. You know, so there's more, there's a lot more, you know, you've got to define yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. are you you at least, are you a mother? No, you're not a mother. Okay, so what are you contributing to society? You know, like, what do you bring to the table? What do you bring to the table? And you're like, I am the table. They're like, what kind of rickety ass table is it? Remove this table from, (laughs) you know, you know, it's just. I mean, it's, it's, it's rough. And so yeah. a lot of women internalize this season of joblessness. You know, I went through a season of joblessness, season of unemployment, season of fun employment, whatever you want to call it. And you're like, okay, clearly I don't have anything to offer. Mm. And, the, and it's self-fulfilling. As soon as you're there, you're there. Yeah. As soon as you're there, you, you remain there. Like you've got to get yourself out of this mindset that I have to internalize and own all of this rejection. Mm. Rejection comes. Everybody was rejected. Anytime I think, oh, I'm going to reject, I say, ah, Jesus Christ was rejected. And that guy was, he was a wonderful somebody. I love your coping you, mechanism. Do you get, even him chopped some kind of breakfast. Do you get, what is this? <laughs> he really did. So don't, don't take it too hard. Yeah. Just know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. Okay. God has a plan and a purpose for my life. So I need to just rest in that. And if it's not this one, the next one, if it's not the next one, until the day I die, I will continue to hope. Yeah. Because I have a living hope. Yeah. <laughs> and and I hope everyone can find for themselves that thing that just keeps their hope alive. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and don't, don't stress. Rejection mm. is part of, you know, they say redirection. Yeah. 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 I love it. It's 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 this is a very nice way to look at it. It's hard. Sometimes I'm just like, hey, why? <laughs> I, only me. <laughs> they tried this me. thing. Everybody right. went. The person, ah, like one year, two yeah. years. Yeah. You know, because yeah. there are people who have been looking for jobs for a long oh, time. Oh, I have, I like, have friends you know, who I've been praying for for three, four years. Yeah, like, and it's crazy. And so sometimes it's very difficult for you to say. Oh, you know, keep hoping. Even mm. if you believe in God, like, oh, keep hoping in God. You yeah. yourself, every time you get to the yeah. God, you just be like. Are you serious? Are you sure? You <laughs> right, know? right. It's a lot. It's it's tough. It's tough. But I mean, that's 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 the exercise of hope and faith for mm. almost anything, yeah. right? You have people have been waiting for children for ten years. True. They're still, they're still holding on. True. Two things. First, money. Mm. Financial independence. Yes. What does that mean to you? For me, financial independence is three things. One, it is that I have enough where I am not boxed in to any type of unhealthy or unsustainable situation. I need to have enough where, ah, okay, let me carry my load. Vex money. At any time. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Two, financial independence is that money does not control me. I control money. And this is something I learned from my mother. I, I'm t- there were times when we didn't have enough for whatever, the basic needs. And my mom would say, we're going to Paris by December. <laughs> I said, eh, auntie, we're going money. 
She'd be like, we're going to Paris. I'm saving up for us to go to Paris. But you can't have, you know, you can't be having all these snacks. And, so, so, so. and somehow she would just make <laughs> And we'd be in Paris. Love it. We'd be in Paris. Back before uh, Kanye was singing his song about us in Paris. We were in Paris. And then we'd come back and we we eat whatever <laughs> rice, white rice and, <laughs> and beans. But, then, but she's like, you need experience. Yeah. Um, money is to be spent. Mm. So this, for me, it's that I'm not, money is not going to be controlling. I'm not going to be over counting my money. Forget that one. That's not financial independence. If I'm counting, you know, more than once, uh, okay, put this one. Somebody asked me for money and I'm busy counting. No, no, no. I either have or I don't have. I so just cool. uh, feeling, for me, feeling just the, the ability to know that money is not the be all and end all. It comes and it goes. That for me is financial independence. And then finally is generosity. Mm. Let me be, you know, because the, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Yes. So I want to be in a place where I can walk into a place, I can see a need and I can just execute That's quietly. It. I don't need no to do talk. any, no, no. no long talk. <laughs> no display. I can just execute and I say, okay, this is where, this is where God, I, when the Holy Spirit, I don't want to be sh shaking and shaking. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit sure? say, oh, go and assist this person. Are I sure? say, ah, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> With what money? What do, do you understand? Eat? No, I want to be able to be, and, and, and that generosity, by the way, all those three things, don't necessarily come by how much is in your money. Most of them come from, by how much is in your heart, actually, right? Because mindset. it's a mindset. How much is in your heart? How much is in your mind? There's people who have millions and they still shudder. Oh, I have to give up. Yeah. Give you know, so there's people who still have millions. They're still counting every day, counting yeah. <laughs> nonstop. There's people who have millions and they're still, oh, I have to stay in this. I have to stay in this <laughs> job no matter what. Even if I die here, yes. I die here. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. So it's, it's all mindsets. Yeah. But of course, there's a certain amount of money that you need to, to live to help you and away. you will define for yourself what that is yeah. you carry it with you yeah um so that's for me that's i agree oh, i love it i love it now back to because you just spoke about your mother mm. thank god i didn't forget this i want i wanted to ask you how what role do you think that the women you saw growing up your grandmother your mother mm -hmm. your sisters your cousins your mm -hmm. aunties what role did these these older women play in the way that you are now mm -hmm. now i'm not asking about you know like upbringing because clearly they brought you up but in what way did did their lives shape you you know mm -hmm. without like the things they said that oh you do this you said like this or you just like this or oh this is what you should do like just looking at them in, in what ways did their lifestyle yeah. inspire and shape who you are today <sighs> this is huge it's huge and thanks for this question because I don't think we think enough about how these these people who have gone before us are actually the foundations that we stand on, yeah. right? The giants, the shoulders which we stand on. Um, as I think about my, my, my maternal grandmother, um, she was a domestic worker. Mm. So she cleaned all of her life, almost. And with that, she set my mom up and my and all of her siblings for education and she said the girls will go to school like the boys and that was already radical yeah. at that time yes in that space and we were talking apartheid namibia right where even just 
being black was an <laughs> was issue. A, was, yeah. It was already a problem. So to go to school as a black person was a lot. Then to go to school and as a black girl and to go this to was school in Namibia, right? In Namibia. Yeah. And to go to school until you get, you know, you graduate and all of that. So my, my grandmother set us up for this notion that you can work hard and from that work, you can make smart decisions it was she moved like an educated woman mm. she couldn't read or write and she moved like an educated woman strategic in terms of how she got her kids in order it's not just my mom that's a boss everybody's bossing people yeah. are bossing left right and center mm. okay um and she she invested in that so i think that's um uh that's how she influenced and then my mom she came and she took it another step further my mom tells me, till this day, she's, my mom's going to be married. Mom and dad are going to be married 40 years next year. Nice. These, I mean, they've been through it. They've been through it. We have, we have gone with them through it. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of their relationship and, and their friendship and their love has really shaped how I look at relationships as well. But my mom, till this day, she'll say, my dear, have your own money. My mom still has, my mom has my dad's money and her own money. Do you understand? She keeps her and she tells me this is so important. You have to be able to empower yourself. You have to be able to, if anybody should go mad, do you get, if mm. anybody should go King Lear on you, because my mom loves Hamlet, you got to have your own. And I think that for me, that's been one way in which I've really been able to, to, to move through the world is that I'm always trying to like look after myself. Another way for me, and this is this comes from also some of the biblical principles that my parents have raised me in, is being a steward, understanding that your money is not your own. Yep. Right? And that you're just being given this for a short time. Even your time is not your own. It's borrowed. We're all on borrowed time. We've been dying since we were born. Mm-hmm. So you've got to understand that it's stewardship. And so it's like this thing I have, how am I going to use it? How am I going to spend it? How am I going to gift it? Being intentional in that. And I think these women have shown me that me, I'm not a person who everybody has their own different thing that they spend on me. My own is travel. Yeah. I like to move. I like to move. I like to see. <laughs> I like to move. I like to move. And the I, best way. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I like to, I like to spend it on experiences yeah. with friends, with people. Yeah. I mean, I think it's from, I, I got this also from my mom. So we'll go on adventures. It's not, not so much about things, but it's about the adventures and the memories you build with mm. those. So um, I think they've been huge and I've been super, super blessed. And I think what I would just say to anyone, you know, any woman that's trying to think about her next step um, and trying to think about what influence she wants to have in the world, I would say, look, look at the women around you. Um, even the ones who haven't made such great financial decisions and how, what that has cost them, or even the ones who are stuck in one way or another, and try to like use those as, as templates of mm-hmm. you know what to do or what not to do, mm-hmm. um, and also try to make sure that what you're doing is something that when your daughter comes later to come and greet you and say, mommy, is this what you did with, your, with the seed that I gave you, with the talents that God gave you? You will be proud, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I would say that's uh, that's something that I'm I'm lucky that all the matriarchs in my life have have been able to show me um, what to do with my talents by doing so well with theirs. I love it. 
This has been amazing. I've learned so much. I'm just really grateful that you came. Grateful that, you know, we, I I, I didn't know, you and I did not know this episode was going to happen. But I'm glad that we found ourselves in Nigeria at this time, you know, to record here. Um, Thank you for sharing everything that you shared today from how we look at work to how we look at HR to, you know, saying systems, people, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things are flawed. And so we shouldn't expect flawlessness from things that are going to be flawed regardless. Right. You know, like even when systems get better, people are going to constantly be flawed. Mm. I really love that. I just hope that all the people who listened to this episode today found things that they can glean and then, you know, apply to their lives and see the transformation. I want to thank you again for coming to this podcast. Girl. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. So you. I'm so proud of you for doing this. Thank I you. think it's it's huge and I think this voice needs to be heard. So you have just no. yeah, just keep going, girl. Thank I'm you. super proud. I'm shy. Yeah. I wanna cry. <laughs> Stop, <I'm shy. laughs> oh god, thank you. So guys, thank you all for taking the time to listen. I'm going to add Vivian's um LinkedIn URL to the show notes please connect with her on linkedin send her an email as well i'll add her email address send her the questions there let her know how much you love this episode and what you learned from her and thank you very much we'll see you all next week bye-bye